do we say, fam? Welcome to Simplexity, a podcast where we take seemingly complex matters and attempt to make them plain and simple. My name is Sammy Foster, joined with my co-host, the one and only Robert Campbell Smart. I'm just going to switch your name up every time we start. <laughs> keep them guessing. Just to keep it fresh yeah. and uh, mysterious. Yeah, it's like, wait, who's Sammy's co-host again? <laughs> It's got like 12 of them. I don't really know, actually. There's a lot of similarities in their names, though. There's a lot of simplexities in their names, though. <laughs> I want to give a little bit of inside baseball, Ooh, if I may, to like uh, to our listeners. So, episode three, this is an exciting episode. And it is. It's a special one mm. because um, this is the first episode that we've recorded since launching Simplexity. Wow. So, the first two, obviously, we kind of we recorded those, yep. and uh, we didn't really know no. what the... <laughs> we didn't what, know if it would just be two and done. Yeah, two and done, and no one listened to it. Congrats. <laughs> but uh, that was fortunately not the case, and so we've gotten a lot of really uh, just encouraging feedback. We just want to thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the uh, critique, yes. which I asked for, um, and that which I didn't. But uh, <laughs> no, it's been super cool to just put a face to, to so many of the listeners, whether you follow us on Instagram, whether you're just on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, seeing where people are listening from is super Absolutely. cool as well. Yep. And so, yeah, I just wanted to speak to that before we get into today's topic. I couldn't agree with you more, my friend. I have been overwhelmed with uh, just positive feedback, largely um, about me, mm. not 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 really your addition to this. Simplicity is about subtraction, my friend. <laughs> no, actually, it's been the other way around where it has been a really cool dynamic, you and I, and I really appreciate it. I feel like people have recognized that. I am so grateful to be doing it with you, and I'm really, really grateful. I'm going to be honest. I think you and I have compared notes that this has exceeded our expectation by way of at least the launch of. Yeah, we'll and see where uh, it goes from yeah, here. Yeah, so let's but. not outkick our coverage. But it has been really, really encouraging listening to um, just the uh, the anticipation of the next ones mm. that are forthcoming. And uh, the last several ones have proven to be somewhat helpful. And so I just want to say thanks for giving of your time and listening in. I'm going to call you Simplexiters. I don't care what you say, Boots. Actually, Asher said, well, if you if you want to, you should just call them simpletons. Wow. Yeah. Your son Asher needs uh -huh. to he needs not be our marketing agent. No, he, he does not. Agent. Okay. So if you got issue with that, which I believe you would, please take it up with, with Asher. Now, let me also say that amidst some of the feedback, I've also fielded some questions and the questions surrounding why is it that we choose certain topics? You know, we started off with simplicity and then we, you know, spoke to the matter of relationship red flags yeah. today. Hard, hard left turn there. <laughs> hard left, right. That wasn't a little cul-de-sac. That was a clean break. But uh, I, I think just to sort of give a little backdrop as to how Boots and I come up with the topics that we discuss while at the same time really, really want to encourage those that are listening to sort of send in your request. What are matters that we could help sort of, you know, unearth or discuss? We wanted to pick matters that we feel do create a degree of complexity and that culturally are complex. So when it comes to relationships, there is a deep complexity that surrounds them. Um, when it comes to politics, most certainly complexity, finances, 
a myriad of cultural topics. Today, we're going to deal with the matter of failure. Love it. Why? Failure. Why is that so complex? Because I believe that it creates a real emotional and mental, and for those of us that follow Jesus, a spiritual complexity that we need to work through. I, I talk to so many people that because of past failures, and I've even seen this in my own life, that if you're not clear on what to do about it, how to process it, how to look at it, it can create a complexity that will plague you for years to come. And so in our aim to be somewhat helpful, but also be plain and simple, I feel like for our emotional, spiritual, and mental well-being, failure has to be a talking point. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And so you and I are going to uh, self-disclose a little bit. We're going to open this episode up with sharing some of our own failures. So Sammy, I figured I would ask you. Oh no. Oh no. No, sweet friend. Sweet. I, I, I already I already had this on the ready. I'm asking you. You asked me last time by way of that uh that little red flag game you played, but today I wanted to start with you. I like how you called it a little red flag game. Like very very condescending on that one. But I will okay. Yeah. I, I will share first. I actually I couldn't decide which failure story I wanted to share because there are so many of them. Um, so I want to let you choose. So self-deprecating. Yeah. But it is a false humility. You're Continue like, <laughs> on, my friend. It, he's very prideful. <laughs> um, I want to give you the choice which story I share. So let me just give you a snapshot of each. Okay. One regards failure with our student ministry, and the other one is failure house-sitting. Oops. I'm definitely going failure house setting. I knew you were going to go with that one. Totally. I knew you were going to go with that. Let's go. Okay. So this one does necessitate a disclaimer because this person might be listening. So be careful. Oh, wow. <laughs> was property destroyed? The property was not destroyed. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a house sitter. I have a reputation. Yeah. Great house sitter. <laughs> this, is me build, this is me building my brand. You want to give yourself number yeah. now? Yeah, go ahead. Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> house sitting can. I don't know. When I watch someone's house, whether I'm dog sitting or just, you know, taking care of the plants, <laughs> I am different from you in the sense that I'm not a snooper. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Now, wait a minute. That's a That was a big <laughs> accusation you just made right there. Holy <laughs> cow. Why would you assume that I am a snooper? I'm not saying that you're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know you. That's why. <laughs> Yes, yes. I, I would be so tempted to snoop. Yeah. I've never house sat before. Well, Ruth and I did once, but I digress. But uh, I, I, like, I we'll sort of take offense at that. But yeah. go ahead. Well, I just know your personality. You're the guy who walks into a room and you're immediately opening up a cap. It doesn't matter. This is Other bad. people yeah. are in the room. You'll open the fridge. Like just You just showed up like, oh, what do we got here, Bubby? Like, that's, that's you. Okay, fair, um, fair. That's right. not me, though. And okay. so I, I go in this house, and I'm kind of getting the lay of the land. There are certain doors that are shut. Huh. When I see a door that's shut. They need to be opened. No. <laughs> that, that's the difference right there. I say this is shut for a reason. Huh. And I don't open it. I think that's very presumptuous. <laughs> Why would you think that? You see, we all bring our presumptions <laughs> to the table. That's what we do with those. Um, regardless... The door stayed shut okay. until uh, a cleaning service uh -huh. came through, 
and I noticed that that door was then opened. Okay. What I also noticed was that there was a fishbowl in the corner of that room. Hmm. So what had happened was that door stayed shut for several days. <gasps> you killed that fish. I didn't kill the fish. It survived. <laughs> oh. He got a little extra food that day when I when I walked in, saw the door wide open and the fishbowl in the corner, and I said, uh-oh. Um, but he got extra food, and he's thriving, as far as I understand, to this day. Wow. It was only a few days, and okay. I don't know. He was supposed to be fed every day, but he's yeah. a fish. So if you're listening and you're like, this sounds eerily similar to my house, no, then I, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you, Boots. Okay. None of that story had anything to do with failure. I did. I failed. How I did you fail? I failed because, well, I I was told how many fish there were in the house, and I just kind of. The, it, okay, I, I think the only thing that failed here was the fact that you didn't snoop. <laughs> oh, had you gone through that door? Had you checked out areas that you felt were were <laughs> forbidden? I, then you would have found that fish earlier. Okay, so they, I think the lesson that we need to leave our listeners with amidst all the complexity yeah. that you just embedded yourself in, the plain and simple is, is you snoop. always go through closed doors because there could be and medicine a fish on the other side that's crying out for help. <laughs> I, I hope I hope I hope you learned your lesson. I, I did. A fish crying out for help is such a sad image. <laughs> it's like a Doctor Seuss. Yeah, you yeah, know. Really. Wouldn't you say it in there? That's good. Okay. okay. Well, clearly you didn't like my story. No, I didn't. Although I, it was a visceral fear and reaction when I saw that that door open. But okay, um, maybe you can. And let me just say, you chose that one. Yes, I, I could did. Have shared the other yeah. one. But uh, yeah. go ahead and, and wow us. I, ha- with your I just story had failure. I just had greater expectations. That's fair. But as the old adage goes, all frustration stems from unmet expectation. Yeah. Let's, okay. lo- let's lower the bar a little bit moving forward then. <laughs> all right. Let me give you a fail. I'm gonna give you a fail. Okay. And I had two that I was gonna to to to, to go through, but but this one um, I feel has more levity than the other, and so uh, really? I, yes, yes, it does. The other one I definitely walked away with guilt and shame. Um, this one I, I I left with guilt and shame, but the other one and and see that creates quite the intrigue. Like, I do. I'm what, like, what is that? What did you do? Tell me. What did you do? Um, maybe at another time I'll share it. But this one particular time prior to pastoring, I owned a company called Rim Doctor. Mm. And in the process of transitioning from Rim Doctor to the pastorate, I did this season of where I was sort of coaching the guy that would then assume the company, which happened to be my brother-in-law. And so, um, while we were out one day, um, we were leaving to go home. We had to leave actually this lot early where we were repairing rims on this particular uh, car. And it started to rain, therefore causing us to have to wait until the following day to finish the job. And, and it rains, we, it pours. <laughs> and so we were driving home and it started to rain uh, a little, little heavier but you know, before it downpours, the rain on asphalt then creates the most. That's when it's the slickest. I the learned slickest. that in driver's ed. Yes, yes, yes. And so I, um, like many times before and many times after, 
I was preoccupied on my cell phone. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Here we go. And so while driving and increasing speed, may I add, um, I was in uh, a two-lane road that had one turn lane that would go to the right and then two lanes that would go to the go straight. I was in the middle lane, if mm. you will. So the, the right straight lane. Okay. Okay. And as I was driving, I immediately looked up and I was about 10 feet from the car in front of me. And I applied the brakes. I like, and, I like, <laughs> I like how pristine that term is. <laughs> I applied. <laughs> I applied the brakes. Like, no, you slammed, slammed. On the brakes yes. in a panic. Yeah, in a total freak out panic. And I had but a split second to think what to do. So I was in between, do I just slam into the car in front of me and 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 leave it that there would be one where I rear end that car and mm -hmm. hey, that's that's the or I could then turn immediately into the turn lane, but I had this anxiety that there was a car coming up on my right-hand side that I did not see. Mm -hmm. So I, I forewent that option and I chose the last and worst option, which was, I think I'm gonna try to cut the middle of the two cars that are going straight and take my truck in between them in hopes that I don't hit any of them. Now, do you see the picture? Well, I see the picture, but when you need to make up a phrase to define your third option, yes, cutting the middle, I don't think, and I don't know what that means. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I so don't. It seems like that's the worst option. Like it was said. hands down the worst option. And immediately when I pulled to the left to, to choose that option, mm -hmm. my brother-in-law screamed at the top of his lungs no 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 like he knew i can't even believe you're going to try to do this don't cut the middle <laughs> don't cut the middle and i cut the middle and i tore up six cars i mean i just ran my truck right down the middle of these cars that were waiting <laughs> At this red light, and I, you know what eventually stopped me? Is that I was so wedged in between these cars <laughs> that my truck couldn't go any further. Oh. And I actually had to climb out of my driver's window to get out of my car. And you want to know what the worst part of this is? This story's dragging on. It's getting even, it's but getting worse as I go. looked over to the car on the left of me, which was a five series BMW. I'll never forget it. I vividly see it. Oh, it no. was beautiful. And the gentleman that was sitting in the car of whom my driver's door and his shotgun door were almost synonymous by this time because I was so wedged in there. Mm. He was beating on his steering wheel, dropping the big expletive words, and so mad. I thought, I'm going to die today. Yeah. Yeah. And he got out and looked right at me and said, with a many other expletives, I just picked my car up from the body shop. <laughs> oh, you're like, can I refer you to Rim Doctor? <laughs> I will repair your wheels. Yeah. 
It was terrible boots. Now that's what you call a failure. Okay. So yeah. so you can imagine I had a real hard time with my insurance company following that because there were seven cars that were that for, were for the rest of your days, I'm sure. <laughs> Yes. That is so it was the worst choice and uh a terrible failure. So yeah. that is like my nightmare. Yeah. It's, it was my just, reality. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That I I feel nervous just like listening to that story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that that mm. kind of one ups the um <laughs> the fish who went a little hungry for a bit, but is okay. <laughs> unlike that BMW. <laughs> so uh if if we can share stories of of failure then it must be a universal problem it must right. be right. everybody's must have hit six yeah. cars before. everybody has to cut the middle at some point <laughs> right i will say that failure is um is a heavy millstone if not dealt with correctly yeah one of the things about failure is you can quickly isolate yourself and feel like nobody's failed like this before and so what you neglect is a baseline that we all should start from. And that baseline is, is that everybody fails. And when you think that you are the only one that succumbs to sins and mistakes and failure, well, then you are a prime candidate to give way to like self-loathing to where, I mean, you just turn inward and you isolate and feel like, man, I'm the only one that's done it like that that's failed to that degree, a lot of times that's rooted in pride. Nevertheless, self-loathing can easily give way to depression. Mm. I know a lot of people that struggle with depression and feelings of despair largely because they've never overcome their failure. Hmm. Even in the Psalms, Psalm 38, uh, David says that my guilt overwhelms me. Yeah. And it's as if it's a burden too heavy to bear. It's a crippling despair. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, it like, like his failure created a paralysis. And he thought, I, I don't know how to get beyond this. Hadn't it been for God's grace to rush in and other people that rallied around David and due process that helped him get over it? He wouldn't have. And so uh, depression then leads to fractured identity. Like, like meaning... Some people, when they fail, they believe what they did is who they are. And they just identify themselves by their last failure or that epic failure. And so they carry it and it affects them again, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And here's the real danger that's seldom mentioned. That when you sort of camp out in self-loathing and depression and you have a totally distorted identity. It, it can go under the radar, but all you're thinking about the lion's share of the day is yourself that then definitely creates the opportunity for narcissism to set in. Like where all you're thinking about is how you're being perceived and how you can redeem yourself and the pride that you hurt that now you feel like you can't overcome. You become self-absorbed once again in this narcissistic way and you become your own worst enemy mm -hmm. while at the same time you're trying to sort of help yourself out of it. Yeah. So it's this nasty catch-22 where you're totally self-indulged yep. while uh, trying to overcome something that God graciously wants to lift off of us. And so 
handling failure wrong does lead to a world of complexity. Yeah. So self-loathing, depression, fractured identity, those, those are really results of responding to failure in the incorrect way. So what would some of those incorrect ways to respond to failure be? I think you and I could really take a lot of cues as to what not to do from Adam and Eve. Hmm. So take, for instance, third chapter of the Bible. Don't talk to snakes. Okay. <laughs> right. If you get that right, you can get a lot right. <laughs> it's when you start talking to serpents that things go sideways. Yeah. But even after that, if you so happen to have a conversation with one, there are some things that you don't do. And the first is, is that when Adam and Eve were created, they were in this incredible union. There was this matrimony. They were naked. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Unashamed. It says that they were in many ways. It was paradise. It was utopia. They actually had conversations with their creator on the daily where he would walk with them in the cool of the day. They had dominion and they had beauty and they had perfection as we can understand it, the best we can understand it. And yet, three chapters in, he then commits epic, epic failure. Sin nonetheless, but failure altogether of where he gave way to his own ambition, his own what was perceived wise thinking, disregarded what God had said, and then broke everything. And the first thing he did after scripture says that he realized he was naked and his eyes were opened is that he then went and hid. My gosh, this is so clearly what we do. We may not go find ourselves in the bushes and <laughs> run around in the woods and things like that, but we certainly begin to isolate. We hide in different ways. We hide in different ways. So many people right now are hiding and they're hiding because they carry shame and guilt and they feel like if they come out and if they get vulnerable and honest about where their failure is, God will reject them when it couldn't be further from the truth. But hide is what we do. And so we hide by disconnecting from people that love us. We hide by insulating ourselves from people so they don't get too close to us. We hide from just disregarding um, anywhere that would create a vulnerability in us. We go and hide. We sort of put our head in the sand in proverbial ways of either we dive into work, we dive into another group, we, 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 we find new community, we stay within our homes, um, on and on and on, we go and we hide exactly like Adam and Eve did. Yeah, and we can hide even by just denying that we failed altogether. Great point. Um, that's one that I can have a tendency to do is right. because when you know that you've failed, you hurt someone close to you. It's almost like there's this difficulty in even accepting the reality that I hurt someone that I really care about. Like yeah. for me, the, the temptation is it's easier to just convince myself to lie to myself, mm -hmm. to deny that the failure even happened rather than work through the reality of that. Totally. We will go through all these exhaustive measures trying to hide from rather than just identifying and owning what we did. So uh, I think as Adam and Eve did, we do as well. That's one of the wrong responses to failure that we often make. But the second is, is what Adam 
did immediately after when God came and questioned him as to why are you hiding and why did you do which I forbid you to do? He immediately blamed Mm. the woman. It was the woman you gave me. (laughs) That God had given him, which was in many ways him blaming God. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be in this situation had you not. (laughs) It was as if to say... (laughs) What were you thinking <laughs> as he's hiding in a bush? As he's not, totally. What were you thinking? So, I mean, this is what we do. We blame, we deny, we excuse. We try to find people around us that if it weren't for them or if we had different friends or, oh, mm. I became a product of my environment yeah. and on and on and on, which there's an element of truth too. We love to blame so we don't have to own. Mm. And so Adam did it with Eve and we do it with whatever means we can find to point the finger at. Well, Eve did it with the serpent too, <laughs> totally. immediately following that. It's like this <laughs> this line that goes down. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I can find sometimes when I fail, I'm prone to try to find something, some, some weakness mm. that somebody else has. Are you gonna blame me if this <laughs> podcast? If this podcast fails, <laughs> That's what I'm like. Know picturing right now i'm like oh oh uh-huh oh i see what he's doing that here sounds really dangerous. i tip my hand <laughs> but we blame yeah exactly and if we don't uh blame then we simply let it become who we are that's, that's which right. which is one of the more heartbreaking mm. responses to failure is you just get so caught up in okay maybe you didn't deny it maybe you didn't blame no this is what happened not only did this happen but it is now the extent of my personhood. Yes. I cannot extend beyond this failure. Mm. It's it's who I am. Which, interesting enough, is exactly what Adam did when he sewed fig leaves together and covered himself. That yeah. covering was like part of who he was. You're it, covering yourself in the failure. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people do that. So what you did becomes who you are. You identify with it. You allow it to fracture your, 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 your personhood and how you even perceive yourself. And man, it's just bad, bad news. It's really um, the ingredients for complexity that people lead their whole lives with. And they never take the off-ramp and the incredible provision that God, by the accomplished work of Jesus, has given us so that we walk free. Mm-hmm. Failure handled wrongly leads to bondage. And so it, it is in many ways, it's imperative that we see it for what it is. It's inevitable that we understand the effects of handling it wrongly. And then we course correct so that we can handle it rightly. This is the benefits of Jesus's work on the cross. And it's a passion point for me because I get to talk to so many people while at the same time relate with them over failure. I mean, as you know, and as many people know my story of being raised in, you know, an incredible gospel centered home, two parents that loved me, loved Jesus. And yet, man, my whole sort of teenage years into my early twenties was an epic failure. I mean, had, addiction and drugs and rebellion and i was the quintessential prodigal i could have easily Mm. sort of succumbed to allowing that to identify me and just carry 
what I did to other people, the shame that I brought on my father, my mother, the reproach that I brought on those that loved me, the bridges that I burnt. Oh my gosh, I could have totally just given way to self-loathing and me being a melancholy, I'm a prime candidate for depression in the same right, but God by his grace met me and helped me deal with it and become free from it. That now actually, because of Jesus, I use it. Mm. So it's nothing that I want to shy away from or act like didn't happen. Actually, I wield it because I believe it's one of God's clearest sort of miracles in my life that he redeemed me from it. So I'm not proud of my failure, but I'm proud of the way that God allowed and has used my yeah. failure, if that makes sense. You can boast in your weakness because it's Come what on. God has done through it. Totally. Um, and that's... You know, hearing you share part of that story, what if you had succumbed to mm. to that failure? What right. if you What if you, Sammy, didn't didn't allow Jesus to to bring you up out of that failure to save your soul? Who knows what your life would look like mm. if you'd still be here? To be honest with you, totally. Um, so true, man. But then also all of the ways that God has used you. Hmm. to reach others, to proclaim his kingdom. Hmm. Um, it's just, that's, that's, why, that's why talking about failure is important because there are so many people trapped in that right now when there is freedom. Absolutely. And I, I think that really it's one of two things. Either you're going to empower the enemy of your soul that wants to use failure against you to paralyze you and, and continually hurt you with it, or you can give it to Jesus that then wants to use your failure so as to use you as really a poster child of what he yep. can do. It's all who you put your failure in the hands of. And so it is really complex. I don't think we're trying to make more of something than there isn't. Actually, failure dealt with wrongly is, is, is bondage. Failure dealt with rightly is really empowering and freedom. And so I think to your question earlier, what then are the wrong ways? Well, that would be hiding, blaming, covering. Um, there is a right way. Yeah. So they're most certainly, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if we just, we walk out of here and, all right, those are the wrong ways. Yeah, don't do it wrong. Um, <laughs> there is, there is a right way to handle failure. And I think that we see a very clear example of that in the gospels, um, believe it or not. When gung-ho Peter, um, you know, he was the, the loud, brazen follower of Jesus. Mm. I'll go to prison for you. I'll go to, I'll die. And meant it, meant when, he, it. when he said oh, it. Oh, he was sincere. Yeah, sincerely wrong. <laughs> oh. Um, but there, there's a book, there's a book called When We Get It Wrong by Dominic Smart. Mm. No relation. Curious. Uh, but a great work that follows the failure and restoration of Peter. Right. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is the conversation that Jesus has with Peter prior to Peter denying him, because that, that was the big failure that we're talking about. Totally. Peter's saying how he's, he'll go to prison, he'll die for Jesus, and then Jesus says, the enemy has asked to sift you like wheat, Peter, mm. but I've prayed for you I love this. that when you return, you will strengthen the brothers. The crazy thing to hone in on there is Jesus says, when you return, mm. when you turn back to me, 
after you have failed and you return to me, when you're restored, my prayer is that you will strengthen the brothers. Jesus wasn't saying, Peter, my prayer is that you will not deny me three times before the crow cries. That's right. Cries. That's exactly right. Um, his prayer was when Peter returned, mm. when he was restored, that he would strengthen the brothers. And what that implies is that Jesus knew Peter was going to fail him. That wasn't in, in question. <laughs> uh, it was an assumption that Jesus knew, and he wasn't dissuaded from still inviting Peter into his ministry and into his work. Absolutely. And I find one of the most incredible aspects of the ministry of Peter is that, as we say, he was brazen and he was open mouth and insert foot and speak before he thought, constantly over-promising and under-delivering and failing along the way. And then failing at the end, again in epic fashion, to where he denied even knowing Jesus. Jesus knew this about Peter the day he met him and invited him to follow him. I can't, I mean, it's amazing when you think that he invited Peter to go on a three-year journey knowing in the final hours you are going to disown me. And yet still, he said, be one of my closest. Mm. I just think that speaks to the grace of God. It speaks to the incredible mercy of God. It speaks most certainly to the love of God. As scriptures say, you know, that his mercies are new every morning. The reason that they're renewed every morning is because we need them mm -hmm. renewed every morning. It's when you do not believe that you are prone to fail that I think it's that attitude that undermines grace. It's when you think or are shocked that you would make mistakes, would fall flat on your face, and you would let God down, and you're totally blown away by it. You're probably prone not to really value the mercy hmm. that he provides us daily. And so I think one of the things about failure is, is knowing that God knows that we're prone to, yeah. and we will, is also a testament of how loving, gracious, and merciful he is. Yeah, because he doesn't he doesn't view us with with that knowledge, knowing that we will fail. Absolutely. There's not a level of skepticism or like yeah. cynicism. It's like, oh that 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 wasn't Jesus' posture when he invited Peter out to join him. It wasn't <laughs> like, well, Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're going to do. Like he didn't, you know, graft Sammy into his family and then was like, you know what? Mm -mm. This, 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 this guy working is not who I thought he was. He is uh, much more of a failure than I expected. He, <laughs> he knew what he got when he got me. Yeah. And, it w and, and I was the one that made out on that deal. Oh, yeah. Not him. And so at the same token, he wasn't shocked when I do fall down and he uses it to really radiate his love and then cleans me up and says, now let's try it again. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and by God's grace, when you respond rightly, you're willing to. Yeah. So, so to respond rightly, how would you put that in, in simple terms? Yeah. I think in the simplest terms, in the effort to make it plain and simple, please make this plain and simple. <laughs> I think it has a lot to do with onus, meaning that first you have to own your failure. You have to own your mistake. You have to own your fault. You have to own your sin. Whatever it is that constitutes your failure, you have to own it. 
Not mm-hmm. defi- deny it or defend it or excuse it, but own it. Yeah, you did it. Or become it. <laughs> or become it. Amen. You well, can own it without becoming it. Most certainly. But you have to own the fact that you did it. But once you own that, you have to then own forgiveness. I, I think this is the incredible gift of repentance. And so all of this is encompassed in. That repentance is identifying the fact, yes, I did do that. Yes, that was my sin. Yes, that was the darkness of my heart. Nevertheless, I now be the fact that I've owned it. I'm going to turn from it, and I'm going to walk towards the grace of God that's there to get me free from it. I think that repentance is this incredible gift to show us that we need grace and that grace is there for our taking. So you got to own grace. Like a lot of people leave grace on the table. Mm. They leave forgiveness on the table. They leave mercy on the table. When Jesus's accomplished work has acquired for us all of these incredible blessings for the taking, we just don't own them. Yeah, you own the failure, but yeah. you don't own the... What is it? How do you take hold of it? How do you own it? So you have to own it by faith. And you have to own it by recognizing the accomplished work. Jesus did not have to go to the cross because we were good people. Mm. He went to the cross because we were sinful people prone to failure that we ultimately separated ourselves from God, whereas he wanted to reunite us with God because we failed. Therefore, we have to, by faith, own He has forgiven me. He will forgive me. And there is mercies there for the taking. Yeah. And he hasn't just broadly or generally forgiven Mm -hmm. either, but specific failure that you're owning, there is specific mercy and specific forgiveness to own and walk in. So true. So true. And they're not like, you know, when it comes to his mercies are new every morning, they're not like rollover minutes. Like, I hope there's a bunch in the bucket so I can use them for my (laughs) sin. What's a rollover minute? (laughs) I just dated myself. When it comes to God and his grace, it's not like there's only this much. And if you use it all up in the month, well, oh, you're short. No, no, no. You got to wait three weeks. (laughs) Exactly. Come on, man. That's why his mercies are new every morning so that we can reach into his incredible, everlasting, deep well of grace and use it for our specific sin and then thank God for it. Amen, brother. (laughs) So that was a lot to unpack. Whole lot. Yeah. It was a heavy episode. You always disagree with me when I say something's (laughs) heavy. Can I just say that compared to next week? In comparison. In comparison. I'll give it to you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, this episode was a little heavier in comparison to next week where we'll be talking about influence culture, influencers, um, people on social media and the like. And And the lucrative underpinnings of it. Oh yeah. Very, very lucrative. It's actually my fallback career choice. I think that's a good one. I think you might experience failure though. (laughs) (laughs) That was just mean. Um, But if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Simplexity Podcast. Booyah. Love you guys. (laughs) 